Welcome everyone to episode 18 of the Duster Mud podcast. Let's get to our special guests yeah. today. We've got Hannah and Matthew here. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. It's good Hi. to be here. Hannah is our second daughter. So now you have met Rebecca, our oldest, Michaela, our youngest, and Hannah, number two. That's right. Yeah. So welcome. We're, we're really happy to have you here um, visiting for the holidays, and we took advantage of you being around to chat with you about freedom. And I believe the unique perspective that you guys are going to bring to the conversation is two active duty service members serving in the United States Air Force as officers and pilots. So we're uh, excited to get your perspectives and, and we're excited chat, to just be here. Chat to be with honest. you. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, what does freedom mean to you? Um, freedom means to me um, to do, to think, and to speak without reprisal or penalty. Mm. Just a small, simple de definition of what freedom means to me. Okay. Hannah? Yeah, actually, I knew that you were going to ask this question, so I looked it up. I looked up <laughs> the actual definition just to see what my uh, thoughts were on that, and it was to do, speak, and think what you want. Yeah. And I think that 100% I agree with that definition. Yeah. That's good. So has your military service affected that at all? Has it changed it? Has it enhanced it? Has it lessened it? Or... No, no factor at all. I think that we have, or at least I have learned through a, I don't want to say lack of freedom, but there are certain things that you can and can't do in the military that kind of enhance the idea of what you consider to be free. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. We're going to go further into that. Okay. How about you, Matthew? Um, I think just being around the world. Mm. And seeing other countries and how they do things, and um, it, I think we take for granted just the small things that we have here, just because most Americans, I mean, we don't go to other countries like the United States, is just huge, yeah. and it, you have to cross either, you know, two gigantic oceans just to get somewhere, and that costs an arm and a leg. So, mm -hmm. um, just having. You know, you can't buy guns in, in Europe. That's a right that we have here that's written to our, our citizens. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, just yeah, little things like, like that just makes you uh, miss home, appreciate home, and realize you don't really realize what you have until you're not protected at home. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, sure. So do say, think what you want. That seems at odds with military. It is at odds with the military, yes. So I, I, I obviously I served for twenty five years, yeah. so I'm 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 with you, mm -hmm. but I'm interested to hear your perspective on how, um, like like describe talk, just start talking about the concept of freedom and fighting for freedom and defending freedom and a lot of the the cliches that you hear especially about military service with your definition of freedom with the obvious lack of freedoms that come with military service so like how does that how does that mesh for you guys yeah so i mean growing up with you in the air force we 
all understood that there were things that you could or couldn't say. So whenever I joined the Air Force, it was very apparent to me that I was giving up that freedom. It was completely voluntary and I knew what I was giving up. Um, and I was more than happy to do it uh, yeah. because of the service that I was encouraged by you guys and, um, yeah, encouraged to do and what my dreams were is to become a, a fighter pilot. And so I was 100% willing to give up whatever it took in order to do that. Um, so things like freedom of speech, um, you can't say what you think necessarily, uh, yeah. you know, that our, our elected officials are, it is my boss, you know? That's right. Yeah. So you can't say certain things if you want to, or, um, and then the freedom of, I mean, even as simple as living where you want or moving where you want. So, I mean, yeah, we're told to where we're going to live, um, as far as in the world, but even as far as what houses you select, they have to, the military goes and inspects that house and then decides whether or not you're going to live there. You know what I mean? Um, so those kinds of things, I think that not a lot of people understand um, that there is that level of, of freedom that you give up. Another thing, um, whenever it comes to like security clearances and stuff like that, every detail of your life is unveiled to whoever is inspecting you. Yes. So the freedom of privacy as well is something that you give up um, your entire life, especially being overseas, having the, the PRP program, which is even more uh, a lack of privacy there because we're constantly being um, personal reliability program, personal reliability which program. is um, required for all people that have a nuclear mission. Mm hmm. Um, so they, it's a constant monitor process. It's constant reporting process. So, um, down to an aspirin, down to an aspirin, they know, um, what you, what you put in your body, they control what you put in your body, right. uh, to a certain extent. Yep. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world, but there is definitely a, a, a distinct lack of what most people would consider freedom whenever you're especially overseas in the Air Force. Yeah, yeah privacy, that was, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, small things like uh, you have to get, you know, put in your vacation, your leave approved if you want to go outside of a four-hour radius to your yeah. base. So you can't just pack up and leave and go see a baseball game in Boston for a weekend. You have to, it has to be approved and, you better not have any deployments coming up and you better be current with all your work. Like it's, uh, it can be a pain um, sometimes to just go on a trip. But I mean, on the plus side of that is that we are required or we are insured leave. Yeah. So mm -hmm. most people, you know, they get two weeks out of the year, including sick days. Whereas, you know, we get, what is it? Two and a half days a month guaranteed leave um so we have the ability to to remove ourselves and, and go get some vacation time yeah listening to you guys talk has reminded me like over the past couple of years especially after spending two and a half decades in it right it, it was the um still remember the first time we just left and went over to any to my parents house in a different state we didn't ask anybody we didn't tell anybody like we just 
literally got in the vehicle and left. What did that feel like for you? It was oh, crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> like, do you know, we just left and we didn't ask anyone. Yeah, who approved? We didn't tell who anyone. It? No one. No one approved. And it was, we, t- we actually talked about that. Do you know who's told us we could do this? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> it was so, like, yeah, it was so freeing. I don't know. Felt also like you were untethered. Like, yeah. oh, oh, it's yeah. okay. Almost like you're about to get in trouble. You're get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that teenager, I, yep. I just snuck out of uh-huh. the house. It's exhilarating, but I'm probably going to get caught. You uh-huh. know? <laughs> but you're 18 and you're allowed and no one cares anymore. Nobody actually like, cares. No one really that cares. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it, I don't need to check in it, with mom and dad. It felt yep. a lot like that. So mm-hmm. absolutely understand what you're saying there. And mm-hmm. then, man, I'm sure if, if you go back and look at some of the first blogs that I wrote about a year ago and the first time that we started doing some YouTube videos, um, it has been very, very difficult for me to just spout out an opinion. Um, I, it's it's hard. I'm still very guarded and very cautious. Yeah, I can and, tell. Yeah. Whenever I read your blogs, I'm like, oh, I know that he has more to say on that. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's still, it's so hard because you, you're right. That's one of the things that you give up is just that, that ability to just spout out whatever you want to to poop out of your mouth. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you really do have you to. You have to censor yourself. Censor and filter, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I totally agree with you guys there. Yeah, I think that also there's a, um, and maybe we'll get to this later, but I was just thinking about it as you were saying is that like, there are inherent freedoms that we have that you don't even realize that you have them until they're taken away from you. Like, well, like being able to say whatever you want okay, in front of whatever camera that you want or in front of whoever that you want, or, you know, the fact that you can, this one for me is we joked about it the other day is, Oh, I'll just hand in my two weeks. Yeah, Like right. that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You will show up for work. That's right. And you both, you both are on year two of a 10 year commitment, right? Roughly. About just yeah. about, just okay. about year two of a 10 year commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that commitment starts not whenever you join the air force, but after, <laughs> after you're done with pilot training, which is typically about two about years. Two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, wow, has it been that long? (laughs) Been in for five years and only two years into my commitment. Wow. (laughs) I don't think about it. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, about 12 years, I believe, is typical for a pilot is your first opportunity Mm -hmm. to leave the service. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Hmm. It's just an interesting thing to give up all of the things that we all, I have not ever served um, in uniform. But, but there's still things that you gave up. No, My I'm, right. But I'm, but coming from the civilian's perspective and thank you for your service and thank you for your whatever and you protect our freedoms and whatever. And so many people not understanding the amount of sacrifice. And it's not just, oh, I'm willing to go die. It's the daily Every single day, keep your trap shut. Sacrifice. Yeah. You, your opinions don't matter. Well, (laughs) for the most part, we don't, we don't, none of, nobody wants to, like, I want want to say again, like, we, right, we're happy to do it. Right. Absolutely. It's just, it's a, it's an interesting thought 
yes. exercise yeah. in what our service members, not just you, what the service members at large do or, or the the level they're hit, their accountability that they're held to. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Not just you. Mm. Yeah. So do you think freedom plays a part in your daily squadron life? Is it something that you, you talk about? <laughs> or the you, lack of. You... Like. so i think that whenever you ask that question a lot of people are going to think um the freedom as in the freedom that we protect yeah and the honest answer is that is not part of the daily conversation okay um most of the daily conversation has to do with well okay maybe it does have to do with freedom but it's tactical and it's how do we become and maintain air superiority and, and how are, how, how do we maintain being the best air force in the world? And so maybe that does have to do with freedom, but we don't typically use the word. How about you, Matthew? Um, our squadron, we, we mainly just talk about our mission. That's probably the biggest topic of the day. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, who we were feeling today. Um, so what did you guys do yesterday? What did you guys go out and do? Or what country did you land in? What kind of beer did you bring back <laughs> for everybody? Yeah. Um, how's the weather? Oh, it's England. It's bad. Um, uh, so mainly just day-to-day -day operations is so my part. My concept of, of squadron life is obviously coming from a fighter squadron, having been in the t twice in the squadron that you're currently in, Hannah. Um, so I don't I don't have a, a great concept of squadron life in a um, in a tanker squadron. Mm -hmm. It it seems to me that it might play more of a role with you guys that the idea of freedom in that in a fighter squadron, unless you're deployed, really most of the time you're just training, 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 training. Where I, I, my concept is. Uh, from your squadron's perspective, you're you're doing the mission like all the time, every day. I mean, you're, obviously there's training involved as well, but you know, in a in a fighter, you go, you practice fighting each other, and you land at the same place you took off from, and you debrief, and I mean, like, but it's it's all training, training, and for you, like when you go refuel folks. You're you're actually doing the mission. So is there does that does that mission orientation? Um, do you think that that plays a, a part at all with with the the a different viewpoint from from your your squadron than from Hannah's maybe? Yeah, I can I can try to give an example that would maybe make sense to some folks. And being where we are, we're the we're the only tankers in Europe, so we are very busy. Every, every mission is really important because everybody needs their gas. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes the freedom for a pilot to say, no, I don't really think it's safe or I'm not really feeling up to it. Uh, we call it operational mismanagement, operational risk management. Um, I, I might not get a whole bunch of say of saying, you know, I don't feel like I should do this mission because yeah. the weather is bad or uh, some other out, outstanding factor. Like we have to go. There's no choice. Like you're going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, mm-hmm. and that's because the dudes who need your gas are actually doing the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. not just practicing. Yeah, he's going and giving gas to guys that actually need it. Yeah, mm. um, every day. So I would say that's kind of the freedom aspect of it. There's not a mm-hmm. whole lot of leeway um, with the mission that we have out there. Yeah. You you mentioned something to me, Hannah, that um, when we were talking about doing the podcast and talking about freedom and stuff, and um, you said that you're not only are you do you not really talk about it in the squadron, but you're you're getting better not for the sake of freedom but for the person in the squadron with you yeah talk about that a little bit um in a fighter squadron your days are long and no you just show up walk to your jet it's ready for you to step (laughs) into you zip up your zipper suited sun god suit. My speed and, jeans and off I go. And your You'll speed have a good jeans time. and fly break away to the wild blue yonder. <laughs> break, person. break their purpose. jet, come back, here's your broken jet. And then you go drink beer <laughs> And at the then bar. I go drink beer. No. <laughs> no, it's um, we work 12 to 14 hour. I call it work, but it's we're in the squadron. We're studying 12 to 14 hour days. Um, and it's that work that we put in is so that we can be the absolute best at what we do. And yes, it's, it's because we want to be the greatest air force in the world, but more than that, it's because I fly with someone in my backseat and I know their families and I know their kids names and they're my best friend. And so more than, I want to be the best for my country. It's I need to be the best for that guy. Yeah. Or because your, or your wingman or your flight lead. Or my wingman yeah. or my flight lead because no matter what they're entrusting me to be with them in the sky. Hmm. And that to me is the most important thing. Like I will be the best. I will wake up at 3:30 in the morning. And I will be at the squadron by 5 a.m. so that I can study for however many hours before I go fly. So that no one has a question in their mind if they tell me to do something, that I can do it and I can do it good. That's awesome. So take us through a, a typical sortie. You're having a, a surface attack tactics sortie. So that is um, we're practicing for actual combat, going in and doing the mission, not just a part task trainer where there's a little bitty piece of mm-hmm. the of the sortie. So you have a surface attack tactics check ride coming up I next do. week for your two ship flight lead upgrade certification. Yes. So um, what what is t- talk me through prep all the way mm-hmm. through debrief. Like when does it start? So that sortie. When does it start and when does it end? So the sortie's already started for me. Okay. Uh, it's next Wednesday. You're still in America. Yep. But um <laughs> <laughs> but the studying began uh, about a month ago whenever the opening of the phase so we go through phases in a fighter squadron and right now we're in that phase. Right now we call it OCA or offensive counter air. Okay. Uh, it's been different names for a lot of different people, but right now that's what we call it. Um and so that's whenever the studying starts and that's whenever the preparation starts. 
And then the actual mission planning starts typically one or two days prior to the actual event. So your 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 sortie is on Wednesday. You will start prepping Monday. Yep. So we'll we'll get back to England on Monday morning, and I'll probably be in the squadron by Monday afternoon, prepping for my Wednesday flight. Okay. Um, we. How can you possibly prepare for two days? You would think. <laughs> that you can't, but I'm telling you, if they give you two weeks to prepare, it takes you two weeks and five minutes. It's like okay. <laughs> <laughs> as much time as you have plus a little is typically how long it takes to prepare for these sorties or any sortie really, especially whenever you're going through an upgrade. But yeah, um, yeah so it starts with, you know, uh, we call them DLOs or de desired learning objectives. And as a, a flight lead, you come up with what you want your squadron, squadron, what you want your flight to learn that day during the sortie. Okay. All right. I want us to learn how to fight this threat in the air to air realm. I want us to learn how to drop these kinds of bombs in this um, environment or b opposed by whatever that threat on the ground is. And then I want us to learn how to, you know, if one of us gets hurt, how are we going to get the formation out of a contested environment? Yeah. Like, okay, those are my three desired learning objectives. And then we call it building from the target backwards. So if the desired learning objectives are your target, then you say, okay, then what are the, you know, how do I build the sortie from there? Um, and typically it involves, especially like, well, first of all, what airspace do we have available to us? What is the target area going to look like? How many, uh, we call them red air. Uh, how many other, how many bad guy jets are we going to have against us? Um, what's the weather? What's the weather? which is constantly changing, especially in England. Yeah. Um, and so that's where all of the planning process begins. But that is after you've already done the studying. Mm. Like all of the tactics, all of the, we call it GK, general knowledge that you have to know, that's all before even the, the mission planning starts. And then once you have kind of a shell of a sortie, then you go into what we call a mission planning cell or an MPC. And that's typically, it involves all of the the blue air. So we've been doing a lot of integration with the F-35s that are currently at Lake and Heath. So how we kit, we take the, the F-35 bros, we bring them into the room, and now we mission plan as a package. So how are we going to use FI or force integration to win today? And then they tell us what they are capable of. We tell us what we're, we tell them what we're capable of. And um, we come together and, and make a plan as to how against what the threats that we decided that we're going to face, how we're going to win against those threats. Um, and then from there you can come up with contingencies, which is, I think you talked about this a little bit. So you have your assumptions, right? So we assume that this is all going to happen. And then if everything goes perfectly, this is how it's going to run. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, kill everybody in the air, one missile done, you know, yeah. everybody's gone. And then we're going to drop all of our bombs, shack every target, and then we're going to run away bravely, you know? Um, and then you get into the contingencies of, well, red air gets a vote. Right. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So no, they're not going to die on the first leaf and no, the bombs aren't going to get, you know, the, they're not going to hit every target the first try. And how are you going to get out whenever, you know, we call it wounded bird. If you mm -hmm. have a wounded bird, or if there's oh, there's oh, red air respawn at all respond all at the same time as you're trying to egress the target area, so it it takes a lot of, and that's where we spend most of our mission planning time is in the contingency realm. 
Um, and okay, then, so now you've got it all planned out. Yep. You're showing up the day of. Yep. If you have a, let's just pretend, 11 a.m. takeoff time, you show up at about 1045 at the jet. Is that? Nope. So we <laughs> typically I decide whenever I want to show up the next day, and we have what's called crew rest. So we have to have 12 hours between the time we leave the squadron by the time we show up to, at the squadron the next day. So I was like, okay, 11 a.m. takeoff. I'm probably going to get there around between 5.30 and 6 a.m. So that means I need to leave the squadron the night prior at 5.30 or 6 p.m. And I will milk that as much as I can. Right. And then you show up the next day at the time that you plan based off of the time that you left. And then you begin practicing your brief. And you, you know, time matters, the time hack matters, and you have a certain time limit to talk to everybody. So brief. Yep. Um, that is when you guys all get together in a room, kind of like this. And um, what, what, what are you doing in the brief? Real, real quick for people who don't know what a brief is and how long does that last? Yep. So it typically lasts after a, we call it a crew coordination brief. We bring Red Air into the room and we tell them, you know, what threat you are, how, how we would like you to replicate that threat today. And then... And this is everybody who's going to be flying in that particular sortie. Yep. It's typically okay. in this sort of scenario, it's typically around 12 aircraft, between 12 and, and 15 aircraft. Okay. And then we bring everybody in. We tell everybody what the, this is the war today. Okay, good. And then you tell Red Air what their role is in mm -hmm. that war. And then you ask them if they have any questions and then you kick them out. And now it's time for Blue Air. Let's talk about how we're going to beat them. Okay. And then uh, we call it chair flying. So we, we chair fly as the briefer. I will chair fly my formation through from phase zero, which is marshalling or, or we call it IPOE which is just preparing we're so we're currently in the IPOE phase phase mm -hmm. zero mm -hmm. and then I chair fly them through phase zero which is through the marshal then phase one which is the air to air ingress phase two the air to ground attack phase three the egress or there might be some more phases based off of our DLOs but you talk them through exactly what formation we're going to be in, what we expect to see whenever our radar looks down track the first time, how we're going to handle that as a formation, how we're going to handle that with the F-35s uh, through FI. Um, and then each phase you go through the contingencies of this is every single thing that I could possibly think of. That could okay, have so how long does that brief last? Mm -hmm. it, it takes about an hour. So you guys get together, talk about it for about an hour, and then, all right, everybody's released from their brief, mm -hmm. and then you go and, and now then, we get to go put on the outfit. Yep. Yeah, I call it a prom dress. <laughs> a prom dress. I never called it that, Hannah. I, I bet not. I bet not. So we go put... You didn't call it that? I did not. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, yep. So we leave the brief with about 20 minutes until step time, uh -huh. and you take that time, you go, you know, do your business. <laughs> Have another cup of coffee, eat yeah. breakfast, and then go go put on your prom dress, uh, which includes your poopy suit. Nowadays, we fly over the water, so we have a um, anti-exposure dry suit. Thank you, anti-exposure dry suit, which is a a waterproof-ish type of suit mm -hmm. that you put under your flight suit, and it's supposed to you know keep you dry if you have to end up in the water that day for any reason. 
So we put on our poopy suit, put our flight suit back over it, put on our... Put on all the cool guy stuff. Yep. G-suit. Okay, cool. Harness, whatever. So you put all the cool guy stuff on, and then um, you said something about step? Mm-hmm. So prior to walking out to the aircraft, or what we call stepping, we will get a step brief from um, the... We call it top three. So the, the, the guy who is in charge of the jet lineup that day, who gives us our jets and, um, gives us, we get a, a airfield brief, a weather brief, uh, to top everything off before we go step out to the jet. These are the current situations that you're going to encounter when you get out there. Yep. Here's the keys to the car. Key, here's, yeah, here's the keys to the car. This is what the squadron commander wants you to focus on. This is what the DO wants you to focus on. These are what the weapons officers want you to focus okay. on for today. Um, here are your jets. Here's what is wrong with your jets. So just off you go, yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. Um, and then then you can step out to your jet. And you fly. About how long is your, are these sorties for you? Uh, depending on a tanker, anywhere from about 1.5 to 2.2 hours. So an hour and a half to hour two hours and, and 15 minutes-ish. Matthew, how long are your sorties typically? <laughs> typically... Probably five to six. Five to six hours? Hours, yeah. It can range from two to 13. So where you've got all this time on the ground, talking and talking and talking and planning and talking. Talking about talking about things. Oh, gosh, we talked about talking about things. And then you go zip, zip, zip up in the sky, get back down and hurry up and start talking about things Hurry up and start talking about it. And then you guys are kind of like absolutely opposite. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at. Oh, were you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we've you've flown for two hours. Now how long's your debrief? Well, here's the best part is the debrief really consists of from from fights on to knock it off, which is typically about 20 to 35 minutes on a long, like on a, on a, on a missionized sortie. Yeah. So our debriefs, they're trying to shorten them. Uh-huh. Currently. They always are. They're always trying to shorten the debriefs, but typically they last in an upgrade anywhere from two to five hours. Okay. So you showed up, if I'm counting correctly, about five and a half hours prior to your takeoff. Yes. You flew for two hours. Yep. Then you take about an hour after that flight to get everything ready. And then you debrief for five hours. Including the shot validation. Yes. Right. Awesome. So that's how you get to your 12 to 14 hour day. Yes. Got it. So Matthew, did that make you like sick to your stomach listening to that? Like, how? <laughs> <laughs> talk, talk us through. a little stressful. Me too. Talk us through a, a typical sortie for you. You're flying on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for you? Um, so for us, we show three hours prior. Uh, the first hour, we get all our mission paperwork. We brief uh, about 15 minutes. <laughs> about 15 minutes or so. Um, really, as long as you can leave the, the for the folks at home, at home, if you can leave the brief with nobody has any questions uh, about what you're what you're going to go out and do that day, then uh, that's that's a good brief. That's really the objective of having a brief. Mm. Um, and then we step, we go out to the jet two hours prior to take off. Uh, kind of like how you see in an airline, uh, you know, we go out and we have to pre-flight everything, get the jet ready to go, uh, deal with any maintenance issues, which never happens. <laughs> but, um, deal with those. And then we start our engines 30 minutes prior. 
to take off and then we taxi 10 minutes prior to takeoff and then we take off and we have anywhere from like a two-hour mission which could be a, a training flight and going out to right up the road and refueling her squadron which i still haven't gotten a chance to do yet um it'll happen yeah, oh, yeah. i'm sure of it <laughs> um or maybe we'll fly out over germany and refuel the the germans or uh over Italy and refuel the Italians and then um, come back and that can range from yeah two hours to 12 hours depending on uh, the weather depending on training requirements for us or training requirements for them because they might be having an exercise or they might be they might fight go up to the tanker go back and, and fight again and maybe come back for a second time or um, but I, I would say average is about four or five hours and come back and land and debrief for like 15 minutes is a long time. So <laughs> <laughs> it's usually, you know, any, anything safety of flight happened that was or anything that we could have done better. Um, just hash it out right there and then it's usually no big deal. Um, and then we just go home. It, it seems to me that the, the, mission the difference in the mission really does lead to that i mean mm -hmm. the fact that you're flying for 10 12 13 hours like you you can't show up five hours prior no. to that and then debrief for five hours like no. just physically that's not possible so it really does make sense to me that the focus would be different for for you and and your squadron than it would be for hannah and her squadron just that in that one you're doing the mission mm -hmm. most of the time. Mm -hmm. And two, it just takes longer to do it, you know? And, so, and y'all's job is you guys play the tapes and you go by the second because yeah. the standard is perfection because you have to be, because we need our best pilot. We need like our best pilots to be fighter pilots to do that. And then our mission is timing. We need to be at a point in three dimensional space on time. Right. So that's the emphasis for us. Right. Yeah. Um, having you having during your service time deployed and um, gone into combat, yeah. if I remember right, yes, there were briefs and there were debriefs, but in real world stuff going on, some of your missions would be up to eight hours. You didn't during those times, you don't, you guys can't sit and no, talk true. about it and talk about it and talk about it. You were talking about the time they spend yeah. in the air when you're downrange doing the thing. You guys didn't spend all that time debriefing. No, it was it was vastly no for for time us, spent doing. Typically, there's a mission planning cell that will do the majority of the planning. Right, the flight lead will come in and make sure that it, he or she knows what's going on. Right. Typically a few minutes, maybe 15 minutes prior to the rest of the flight. Um, the briefs, after you've been in the area of responsibility for a, you know, a week or two, the briefs become very standard. Mm -hmm. You sort of talk through things just so that it's on everybody's mind, but mm -hmm. typically it's just standard, standard, standard is right. the way you discuss it. And then you're absolutely right that you show up not too far before takeoff, maybe two hour, hour and a half before mm -hmm. takeoff. And then you fly six, seven, eight, 
Right. Um, I think my longest airborne sortie was 12 and a half hours. So when we're talking, so when she's talking about the briefing and the amount it's of time spent, that is, those are training days. Those yeah. are at home days. Yeah. And the thing about Matthew and where you guys are currently stationed right now, being quote, as we all call it, the tip of the spear is you are on that side of the Atlantic Ocean. And so therefore you can service Europe. You can service the guys that are over there from home station versus being quote deployed somewhere. And so constantly out doing that mission, whatever that might be. And you guys at home, unless you go forward into another, you know, a deployed location. So training days at home versus at home mission mission days it's just a very different oh yeah very different life um but i did remember that you you guys your your emphasis when you were downrange was incredibly different as far as the way your time was spent yeah so talk a little bit about being an american military service member serving in a foreign country okay um (laughs) So I want to talk about, I think, first is the the culture shock that we weren't expecting whenever we went over to England. Okay. And I think a little bit of it was because I'd been there before. That's what I was going to say. That's yeah, interesting. Kid, Five years ago. Yeah, I know, I know. So, you know, people ask me where I'm from. I'm like, well, you know, I spent most of my time in England. <laughs> but it didn't feel like that whenever I showed up there as an adult. And for you, I, I want you to talk about it a little bit, too, because yours is kind of funny. Um, but... There was, there's a lot of culture shock whenever it comes to going over somewhere where, I mean, they speak English, you know, they, you don't really expect the, the, the stark differences between being there and being here. Mm-hmm. But I want you to tell your story of showing up for the first time at Heathrow. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I've never lived overseas before or been overseas. Like I've been went to on a cruise to like Mexico one time, but I've never, America's all I've known. Yeah. Um, didn't really want to even live overseas either just because I didn't want to move all my stuff. Yeah. Across sure. an ocean, but yeah. it's hard. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Overseas. And, uh, I had three weeks to get all of our, all of everything in our house packed up, uh, while you were at training and I was at training and it was just a, a nightmare because another thing about freedom too, like, you know, we're, we were separated for a year and a half half as a joint spouse couple, just Hmm. due to different training. Yeah. And, uh, if you're, you know, most people in the States, I hope they don't have to experience that. Mm Yes. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. But anyway, uh, back to the Heathrow. Heathrow. Yes. Um, uh, that lovely. So uh, all I had was just a couple bags in my backpack moving over to a different country that I've never been to before. And thankfully everybody spoke English, but, uh, yeah, I have like, get in line for them to check my passport and the British guy's like, yeah, mate, why are you here? <laughs> I'm like, uh, why am I here? Oh yeah. I live here now. And my me and my backpack and my one suitcase i uh i think i live here i'm in the military yeah i'm stationed here and he's like okay which base and i was like Milton hall he's like okay (laughs) (laughs) he's like i was i don't know i could think that was a weird answer for him i live here now Uh, now. Uh, (laughs) yeah for someone that's never been 
anywhere. No. <laughs> like that. Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, we're we're guests in their country and they they welcome us very well. And yeah. we really enjoy it over there. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's everybody has their opinion, but yeah. We enjoyed our time over there. We did. A lot. So much, much we went back. Yeah. We and did. highly recommended it to other people. Oh yeah. yeah. I would not a, have dreamt of a better first assignment. No. Yeah. It was a, it's it's amazing there. and mm-hmm. fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everybody's driving on the left side of the road. <laughs> Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> the font in the airport is different. What? It's different from the US and it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's just like why it's just a weird font. I don't like <laughs> font. I don't like their choice in their font <laughs> in the airport. You can just they hear that. Maybe you could just hear their accent. Yeah. In that oh, font. the font. Yes, of they course. do have a couple of wins though. Like I was telling mm-hmm. mom earlier, the the England wins are. I mean, not that they don't have air conditioning. Uh, that to me is not a win. But win. roundabouts. Yeah, yeah. Took a minute. Took oh, a minute goodness. to learn how yes. to do it. But my God. Oh yeah, so much faster, yeah. better much faster. than red lights. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But although, if you if the people don't know how to navigate a roundabout, it's very difficult. It is very difficult, and it's a like a, a significant emotional event, right? Whenever <laughs> our, our, my first time at Five Ways, which you know oh, yeah, that yeah. roundabout is yeah. where stoplights and and roundabouts become one <laughs> <laughs> significant emotional event on the left side of the road. Yes, uh-huh. yeah. yes, it is. <laughs> Oh, we have so many stories. Right? Yeah, you do. We'll, yeah, we'll just we'll save this for another time. So many stories. Goodness. But uh-huh. we've, I love being over there and, and we love being over there. And I think that just living in another country and having access to just by like inherently by being over there, having access to most of the other parts of Europe mm-hmm. have really opened our minds and our perspectives a lot to hmm. just the way that people live. And how has it changed your perspective to home? Did they welcome you home when you flew in this last time? They did. That's always a good feeling whenever you fly into Dallas and they stamp your passport and say, welcome home. You know, yeah, like, it's oh. different. Yeah. It, it really, I mean, I tear up almost every time because you know, the last, you know, why are you here? I'm like, oh, military, I'm coming back home for the holidays. And they're like, oh, welcome home. And, like, they mean it. And it's like, thank <sighs> you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, been there enough to really so many good. times. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, that, that is an amazing feeling. It really does change the way you see your home, home country. Yeah. Like, home means something now. And the perspective of... There might be a lot of griping right now uh, from citizens of this country about the state of things, good, bad, or ugly. And when you've been over to other countries and seen what you were talking about earlier, the way the rest of the world lives, and then you come back here and you realize Dang, it's good here, y'all. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I felt. Yeah. I think also, like, even just now before leaving the squadron, they're like, oh, where are you going? You know, oh, I see you're going on leave. Where are you going? I was like, oh, man, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Where is home right now? And I've never well, lived in Missouri. Right, right. You know, but I'm. Uh, but home is the 
it's the U.S. You know, like it, it didn't matter where. To be yeah, honest, yeah, sure. like right. just just showing up here. Whenever yeah. they say like, "Oh, we've landed in Texas," you're like, "Oh God, <laughs> yeah, we did." So, yeah. Matthew, you said home means something. Expound. Yeah. Um, like before, if you're going on a trip, and for maybe a civilian, you know, welcome home doesn't. Oh, of course, yeah. But like when it just it hurts. It doesn't hurt, but it uh, you just feel it in your heart, the tug in your heart of welcome home, and it's like, oh man, like yeah. If I was ever told I wasn't able to come back to America, I'd be very, I'd be gutted, I'd be sad. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that's what yeah. When they say welcome home, it, it means a lot to me. <laughs> Is it why? Can you can you describe the why? Is it? Is it freedom? Is it the weather? I mean, like, what? Uh, yeah, it's uh, the freedoms that we have here, our, our way of life, our way of doing things that, uh, not that I don't like how Europe does things. It's just, yeah. it's not yeah, yeah. my home. Right. Like, it's mm -hmm. my home. And uh, you can get pretty homesick living overseas, I think. some of the things that are special about here really begin to stand out in your mind and in your heart when you do without it, when you're overseas. Yeah. I mean, you learn to love where you are, mm -hmm. you know, home is where the air force sends us is what we all say. Oh, I have that on my, yep. On my little plaque mm -hmm. there, which is what we all say. And, then, and you feel that way whenever you're there, you know, mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, this is my house. This is where my things are, which is, Typically for Air Force mm -hmm. folks is like where your things are is where your home is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and but, you feel but that. But behind it all, home. But behind it all, there's, there's this, there's this thing that you're missing, mm -hmm. you know, and whenever you live over there, it's, it's, there is an absence of, of, um, I, I don't want to say America, but. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know yeah. what what that thing is necessarily. We just have a, from what I heard from Europeans, like we just have a, Americans just have a free spirit. And it's just like, a, I can't even describe. We just have. It's uh, our nest. Yeah. It's like, it's, mm -hmm. it, it's born in us. Like it's ingrained in us. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and they just, they don't really understand right um so when they say welcome home it's like oh man like this is to us that really is. means something yeah it, it means it means a lot you were telling us a story do you have any if you can remember the story or another story that comes to mind if that uh is really particularly um, led you to have that feeling of freedom and wow, this is why we're here doing this. Yeah. Um, so the first time I deployed, we had been to this restaurant several times and I'd built a rapport with one of the waiters mm -hmm. that was there. And I think it was the fourth, third or fourth time we went to this restaurant, which we really enjoyed. And yeah. um, we'd finished our meal and 
he the the waiter uh, unprompted comes over to us with a a small like saucer and on top of the saucer was an orange or like a tangerine and he like set it on the table and started opening the tangerine and i'm like what did any of us order a whole tangerine <laughs> i don't i don't recall the orange <laughs> tangerine so well anyway so i'm, I'm kind of looking at him I'm like what, what are you doing you know and he was in he kind of started getting emotional a little bit but it was around it was around this time of year it was the holidays and hit as he was peeling open the orange and he would place he was placing one slice in front of everybody at the table and he was looking at me as he was telling the story and he said in in my country the c- citrus is is very rare mm. and so his father and his grandfather or or the the older generation of men in that country around the holidays whenever citrus was in season they would share one and mm. so they would they would open it up and they would break it apart and they would with family and they would each share one slice of a citrus and he was describing it to me in a way that this was a, a, a it was a significant treat to have a slice of a tangerine mm-hmm. and the fact that whenever he walked over to the table with a whole tangerine and I was like mm-hmm. why are you bringing me an orange mm-hmm. and then the significance of that to him or even just having one slice of it to him, mm-hmm. the fact that that's what his grandfather and his father did. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was he saying to you guys? He was saying to us that he wanted to, he he appreciated us and, and he wanted to share that around the holiday season, that meaningful experience that he had with his father and his grandfather. He wanted to share that with us. And that to me was like, it, it was very moving. And, and I took that with me, you know, as to, gosh, I go buy a bag of oranges to slice right. up and make my house smell good, right. you know, for two pounds at the Tesco. Mm-hmm. And he's breaking apart this tangerine and handing me one slice and telling me how meaningful that that was to his family. And recognizing mm-hmm. what he was doing was trying to show you the recognition and appreciation for what you guys were over there doing. Yep or near around whatever mm-hmm. them i yeah that was that was i got pretty emotional with that one i would too he he was i would too yeah that was a expressing appreciation for your service and helping him stay free huh mm-hmm. mm. yeah yeah that would get me emotional too right there sorry guys mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah so he knows what freedom means. He knows what not freedom means mm. more than I think any of us do. And I think that's the difference. Have you had anything, any uh, any particular stories that you've encountered? Um, um, yeah, I wasn't a part of this mission, but the, the story of it was really cool um we took a tanker and and landed in a country um and when they landed in this 
in this specific country, like all the uh, security guards and that the part of that country's armed forces are like holding American flags and uh, just welcome oh, wow. them. And they thought it was the, the coolest thing to see a big American plane land and on their runway and they treated wow. those guys like rock stars and wow. they thought it was just amazing. And, um, that's super cool. Things like that. Little things cool. like that. It's a big thing. Mm. Mm. I think, uh, another thing that's interesting too, living overseas is just American influence on the world and how big our, our culture is around the world. Like all of our movies, all of our music, um style of dress like everybody you're gonna Pretty see influential it. yeah, yeah. Like you're gonna see it all, yeah. our music's gonna be in every bar in in europe that's funny it's and you yeah. wouldn't think it would be but mm -hmm. like, oh wow dang mm -hmm. <laughs> this is cool so future man you guys are killing it over there right Thank now you. for sure we could not be prouder true at all um, your future within the Air Force plans, what, like if you just had to just like, no, eh, this is kind of what we're thinking. How, we're, we know things change. We know things change. <laughs> right. right. Uh, uh, yeah, they change. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, gosh, future. To me, it's like getting through next week. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> if, I can, if I can get through Just next week. Just make it through Wednesday. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Um, so outside of making it through next Wednesday, mm -hmm. um, I think Generically. That, yeah. Yeah. Generically, we love England and we love being able to be together. Yeah. It's one of the few places in the world that mm -hmm. tankers and strike eagles are together. Mm-hmm. So if we can stay there as long as we can, that would be preferred. Yeah. Outside oh, yeah. of that, yeah. Seymour Johnson's probably a close oh, second in cool. North Carolina. Yeah. If you want to travel more. Uh, and I think we're going to get to now that I'm going to be hopefully done with the upgrade. So yeah. I've already hit a lot of my bucket list items for things that I would like to see in Europe. And that was pretty small. So yeah, my turn. Bucket list gets longer yeah. or she, oh, oh, that's <laughs> your turn. I see. Most people go to Europe like once in their lifetime, and we have been blessed with the opportunity to live there. And yeah. uh, that's so cool. We we traveled as much as we could. Yeah. We, that's been our probably no, number one or number two recommendation. Mm -hmm. First of all, stay over there as long as you can, and second of all, travel while you can. Yeah, do it, oh, yeah. do it, do it. Do you think career? Um, I want to be in the Air Force as long as I can. Uh, yeah, I love. I, it doesn't feel like a job and I love that. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm going to work. Oh wow. Like that, that doesn't feel like that to me. We mm -hmm. don't call it that either. And mm -hmm. I take that from you, by the yeah. way, you're like, I've never called it work. Mm -hmm. I just go to the squadron and mm -hmm. that's how we talk about it. Hey, what kind what time are you going to the squadron things. tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I don't go to work dreading, dreading it. Like I've had a job where you just, oh, like, oh I have to go. We to all have. Work. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to, ever live like that like, yeah i really do love what i do even if i wasn't flying like i just the air force is just awesome yeah despite not having some some freedoms that most people have but i can imagine doing anything else so i'm going to shift gears and we don't have to stay here very long but we talk about food 
freedom. We were just covering some serious ground on freedom. But you guys live seriously busy lives. I'm going to talk about food because that's what we do here. We do food. Mm-hmm. We grow food, cook food, eat food. Um, y'all are super busy. Mm-hmm. But you have high requirements. Meaning you... There are expectations that you have as far as being in the military, being fit and ready to do the job. You have to maintain your health. How do you do food over in working 12 to 14 hours a day on eight hour missions? um, How do you incorporate any kind of health? into that uh, well it, that Do ebbs you? and flows <laughs> <laughs> so Gotta be careful <laughs> yeah so um i would say it's sh- it's shifted in the past couple of months but prior to that it was you know the i and and I'll, i want to tell a story about this in just a second but it's a you know you wake up at 3 30 in the morning you show up to whatever brief by 5 a.m. before step you shove whatever food is in the bar at the time, probably a Pop-Tart, down your throat. So we got to you- pause for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Air Force fighter squadrons all have heritage rooms or bars, and typically inside the bar is the snack area. Yep which is stocked by the snack O with jalapeno popcorn, the snack O if they're really good, there's always coffee and there's always jalapeno popcorn Snickers bars. There's always got to be Snickers bars and diet Cokes. Right. And for the end of the sortie, there better be beer. So, so there's, like that's, it's basically just a big break room. It's just a big break. It's room. a big break yeah. room. So just wanted, with all of the things. When you say I go to the bar for breakfast, right? But uh-huh. you, you're the, you're actually talking the break about room. you're break talking room. about a big break room yeah. that you guys there's some groceries and beverages in there for yep. you to s- survive. Break on. room with beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. So <laughs> yep. So you you have enough time to you know maybe eat whatever prepackaged food is in the bar and then you go fly until after lunchtime. So you land and you, there's popcorn. So you eat jalapeno popcorn and then you have whatever prepackaged meal or you order what Deliveroo, which is the English or British version of uh, what Uber Eats or Mm. something like that for dinner. And that's how we lived life for about a year. Mm. And, it's it, not the description I was hoping for. No, bet not. Being so, mom over here thinking no, they're so, taking care of themselves. And they're not. They're eating crap. Well, <laughs> in a, <laughs> at the time, you feel like you, that's all you can do. The fact mm. that I ate anything that day, I was I was pretty proud. You know, I was like, I I ate a pop tart this morning, so I at least have a calorie, you know, yeah. in my body, mm-hmm. and. And that's kind of how it was for a long time. And it, a the story that I wanted to tell was um, a I don't remember if it was a flight docker or what are those the aerospace physiologist mm-hmm. came in and talked to us on like a safety day. He had all the squadrons in together, and he, you know, got in front of all of the fighter pilots in on the base. And was talking about aerospace phys- physiology as they do. And they said, well, I know that all of you have a well-balanced bref- breakfast in the morning. And all of us giggled at him. 
And he was like, and you go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time every day. And then the entire crowd just bursted out laughing. And he almost looked like, I don't understand. (laughs) What's so funny? He was like, brother, because if I eat anything in the morning, it's a good day. And there's no way that the schedule is allowing me to go to bed or wake up at the same time. (laughs) And so. Ever. No. And and you don't find out what you're doing the next day until the evening before. And like it was just a lack of understanding with the whole situation that made everybody laugh. So the the way that it shifted from hopefully I will eat a pop tart and some popcorn today mm-hmm. to where we are now, mm-hmm. which is we pre plan our meals enough to mm. now I'm eating three meals a day, which How- is a significant improvement. Okay, how do you do that? We, for breakfast, we typically, um, we make boiled eggs on Sunday. Okay. And we make enough boiled eggs so that I have eggs in the morning that I take with me to the squadron. And then I'll take some fruit as well mm-hmm. because it's quick and easy to grab and it's nature's it's the, prepackaged it's like, I was going to say that. <laughs> it's nature's prepackaged yep. food. And then the Tesco in yeah. England has really cool uh, pre-made meals that are, it's like a chicken breast, potatoes, and green beans. It's, it's kind of like how we were talking about the other fresh, day. Never frozen, the you fresh, know? never frozen. Fresh, never frozen. Heat and eat. Yep. And so I'll, I'll buy five of Real those. Real food, though. Yeah. Real food. I'll buy five of those on Sunday, and that's what I have for lunch. And then for dinner, we've been enjoying, I think, cooking more lately. Yeah, for a while there, I think we were just so burnt out mm-hmm. and just so tired and like, I don't want to go to the grocery store. And then we would continue to not have groceries and mm. continue to order food, which was... Yeah. Which I think was a self-looking ice cream cone, by the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I eat not good food and then I don't feel good and I don't feel we'll like do prepping good food because yeah. I don't feel good mm-hmm. kind of deal. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then... It's also tough too because I honestly don't know what I'm going to do the next day. Yeah. Uh, right. Because <laughs> something will pop off and I'll say, sorry, babe, I have to leave for like five days. Yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Uh, can't tell you where I'm so going. So have you noticed any you. difference? You said you were doing a, mu- a couple of months ago, you were eating that way. Mm-hmm. Now you're eating this way. Have mm-hmm. you Have you seen any difference in how you feel, how you're performing, your just your overall a physicalness a, a stark difference stark difference. oh yeah so, okay so and basically you just went to from eating pre-packaged foods to real food is, is pre, pre-packaged and restaurant order okay. to your house food. so you okay so you went from eating convenience processed foods yep. to real food mm-hmm. and some of it's still convenient it's just real yes okay yeah so changes yeah so First of all, I have energy in the mornings and throughout the day now. And we aren't keto and we're not carnivore. Sure, sure. But just going from pre-packaged, processed sugar to, Uh you know, actually eating real food that, as you say, is what it always was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It changed um, my energy levels throughout the day. It mm-hmm. changed my mood throughout the day. Really? Uh, I'm, I, I get hangry real bad. 
Yeah, we all know that. So <laughs> it's it's helped quite a bit with the hangry. Yeah, hangry, which doesn't yes. help. Hangry doesn't help in a debrief. No, 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 it does um, not. So there's 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 less of that. I have energy to work out. Oh, in yeah. In the mornings, mm-hmm. so even before I go to the squadron, I'll you know get a workout in, and mm-hmm. then I mean it that that snowball is a, in a like in a positive way, right? You know, right. Um, so you, you you start with a whole food kind of breakfast that is easy anyway, mm-hmm. and it and foods that we enjoy we enjoy eating. like uh, we make chicken soup. We were eating that for like every night for like a couple weeks in a row. And, yeah, and pulled pork. Yeah, we, like so easy. Yeah, that was a food um, that we could make on Sunday and make it for the whole week. Right, yeah. just set it and forget it. Like, there's not much, right. much to it. Like, yeah. just, there are ways to cook yeah. real food. Yeah, and it not be difficult to do. Yes, it doesn't have to be. Time it's consuming. it's in, it was intimidating to get there though, okay. and it's not like we didn't know how to cook. Yeah, y'all know how to cook. Like, I mean, yeah. we grew up cooking. Sure. We 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 cooked for most of our marriage, and then all of a sudden, it was this big intimidating time suck. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. I don't have How could I possibly time. have time to literally do anything else? Right, but you've figured that out. You made it a priority. We made it fun. Oh, oh that's cool. Well, that's cool. That'll now it. now it's a hobby. So it went from mm-hmm. I have to eat something. It is a chore to. To think about food. Mm-hmm. To now, I make my own pasta because I think that that's a good time. Yeah. You know? Or you know, he th- he loves getting the grill going, and he will spend all day. Oh yeah, out there by the grill. Like yeah. we've we've turned food into fun, and that has just allowed us the like it, it is no longer a chore and now we can have fun spending time doing this. I, we did that. Yeah. At some point along the way, we turned food into fun. Yep. And use it as a creative outlet. And you can up, and you, you like I, yes. I I go on YouTube and I find the oldest grandpa that's cooking Italian food and I follow his recipe. You know what I mean? Right. And you just make it the, as fun as fun of an activity as as that's cool. you want. Yeah, that's you know? cool. That's cool. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your journey to Whole Food. Oh, thanks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I had to. (laughs) Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. It has been fun. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Thanks for for talking with us. Well, thank you for talking us into throwing this all together because this was this was really impromptu. You know, we we were not expect expecting you guys this week even i got this was a late notice visit first of <laughs> yeah, all it was. Uh, we were surprised by it and then your willingness to sit down and have a talk with us is just really cool it's been really cool such a blessing and we wish you guys all of the love and blessings and everything to your career and your life as you go forward yeah. and go back to your home here shortly so um do you have anything else you would like to no ma'am chat about mm-hmm. okay well this has been great yeah. and uh thank you guys all for joining us uh again thank you for our new subscribers and growing this channel and we look forward to bringing you more just cool topics guests as we go forward 
But until next time, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye.